Thank you for tuning in to the 307th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, your host, Daryl D. Lane. As always, I want to thank you all for tuning in, whether it be via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, whichever podcasting app or platform you may be listening to me via. Being recorded from Buffalo, New York, per the usual. Going to have a great show for all you guys today. Going to have on my good friend Eli Weisberger on and we are going to talk some NBA. We are going to get into Game 4 of the NBA Finals. The series is tied 2-2-2 two, 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 uh, with the home team winning each of the first four games of this series. And we just had arguably the most exciting game of this series. Actually, for sure, the most exciting game of this series just ending as I'm recording this uh, at 11.42 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, just a little bit before midnight. So we're going to have Eli on and talk about all that. Now, before we have Eli on, and also some things we're going to talk about when we have Eli on the show, we're going to get into the game. Just some other NBA tidbits that are going on. Uh, USA Basketball, they're 1-2 and two in exhibitions. They've lost to Nigeria and they've lost to Australia. They beat Argentina. Also, if we have time, we'll get into our top 10 uh, players we want for a playoff series of the last 20 years, last time we did for this year, like currently playing right now, we'll get into top 20 if we have time, excuse me, uh, the last 20 years, the top 10 of the last 20 years if we have time, and uh, some draft stuff. So a lot of stuff, we'll see how much time we have and how much we can get into. Now before we get to Eli, first time listening to the podcast, thank you. But I'm going to have to ask you to share this podcast with your friends and your family, whether it be via reddit threads facebook groups etc etc also subscribe to my youtube channel daryl lane and follow me on twitter at night train underscore lane and i'll say it again at night train underscore lane you can follow me on twitter and lastly if you have apple or itunes leave a five star review and a fabulous comment right five stars fabulous comment and for some odd reason right if you don't like my podcast like how the hell could that happen then take a page what your mama told you if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. Right? Simple. Pretty easy. Also, I don't want to forget this. Thank you to everybody who gave all the birthday wishes. Um, my birthday was on Monday. Right? Monday. Yeah, Monday. I turned 23. So thank you for all the birthday wishes. It was a happy, blast, a blessed, a happy and blessed day. So just want to say that as well. Appreciate all the thank yous, the happy birthdays, and all the nice comments. It means a lot to me. And coming next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we're going to get to Eli Weisberger. Coming next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have Eli Weisberger with us. 
talking some NBA and getting into this NBA Finals, which has been juicy so far. It's tied 2-2, and we're recording this at 12-10 Eastern Time, just after uh, Game 4 of the NBA Finals, a uh, pivotal, critical game. Uh, the Bucks tying up the series, as I said, 2-2. Two, two. And Eli, what you want to talk about was the Giannis block in the fourth quarter in the waning moments of the game. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Jeff Van Gundy said it on the broadcast, but I'll say it again. It was one of the greatest recoveries on of all time, and you will like, and you will ever see. And I mean, the pick and roll they had a pick and roll and a wide open alley oop to Aiden, but the recovery by Giannis just completely shut it down, and it was an iconic block. It's up there with LeBron James block on Iguodala in Game Seven. 2016. And you know, right, like, Giannis is a guy, I feel like Giannis sometimes gets the Ben Simmons treatment where we considerably criticize, we, we think of all the things that Giannis, and Giannis obviously at a much higher level than Ben is, but people always be like, you know, what Giannis can't do. People will be like, oh, you know, you know, why can't he shoot? You know, why, why can't he be this kind of elite uh, offensive player like we see the KDs or maybe the Kawhis are able to kind of do in isolation situations. But then you just look, he gets the paint wherever he wants. And then you look at his defense. He's, you know, right, like a top three help defender in the NBA, would you say the best help defender? What he does is a rim protector? He's a top three defender in the league, in my opinion. He's up there with, like, Anthony Davis and Rudy Gobert. I think he's a better defender for the playoffs than Gobert. Um, so, by that logic, he's probably just a better defender than Gobert. I think like him and AD are in the top three. And he's a defensive player. Of the year. Like Giannis is absolutely special. Uh, and you are right. Pivotal. Because if that basket goes up, then the game is tied, right? Yeah, the game's tied. And, and then after that, obviously, then, yeah, I think well, something else that was interesting, right? So then Chris Paul's bringing the ball back up the court. Yeah, I mean, uh, Chris Paul had a horrible, horrible game. Yeah, and a bad turnover, which is kind of crazy because, you know, like the whole th- Chris Paul experience and why people were, you know, maybe talking about Chris Paul potentially being, you know, some people were saying they would vote for him for MVP or give, giving him some MVP votes is, you know, just the impact he has, like, you know, no wasted possessions, and it's kind of like, the waning seconds of the fourth quarter, like, because that turnover he had at the end, that's bad. He had two, two of them that resulted in fast breaks. Yeah, like, you, you can't do that, especially when you have a guy like Giannis who's a freaking demon on the fast break. Yeah, and I think, like, the length of the Bucks has gotten to Rick Paul, and uh, he is really struggling to see over or around people or even get the ball around the length of the Bucks defenders. Yeah, because you got to think about it. I mean, you, I mean, especially a couple times they had Chris Middleton on. You could tell, like, Chris Middleton's a long dude, too. I mean, it's noticeably bothering him. Yeah. yeah. So you guys like Middleton, P.J. Tucker, uh, Giannis, Middleton, Lopez. I mean, that's a lot of length. And Chris Paul is only what? Like, six foot with shoes on, right? He's Probably 5'11 yep. without, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> so, do you think it would have been better for Phoenix if 
the ball was in Devin Booker's hands in those moments? Um, yeah, probably. Like, he had the hot hand. Most of the, the Suns' offense, I'd say like 90% of the Suns' offense was from Booker tonight. Um, and Chris Paul just, he's just been turning it over. He had been turning it over, over, and over again. Um, so probably should have gone into Booker's hands, but I can see why um, they had still had Chris Paul running the offense. Yeah, and here's the one thing I will say about Booker. I know he's a scorer, but like he makes good decisions with the ball. Like he's not going to do something stupid. So, so I don't think it's necessarily that you know that big of a deal. Monty Williams is like, hey, okay, we're gonna have Devin bring it up because also I think if you have him bring it up, I mean, he's the guy who, who they're probably gonna try to get the ball to anyway in the half court. So you know, just why not let him start with the ball? But now I want to go to Booker. So this guy, what did he have? Over forty, right? It was like forty-four. Forty or forty-two? Yeah, yeah, something crazy like that. So Stephen A. Smith compared him to Kobe Bryant. I think a lot of people were crazy. And then you look at, the, at like an offensive night like this, and I don't want to invoke the name of Kobe, right? Because I, I think that might be a little high, a bit of hyperbole on Stephen A. Smith's part. But but you look at what Booker does. I mean, he can score, uh, you know, pin downs. You know, moving off the ball. Uh, you know, the three levels, three point, mid range, driving to the basket. He can hit free throws. He's very good at you know creating content, uh, c- contact. Uh, is good in the pick and roll. Uh, good in isolation. He can post like. He can really do everything from an offensive standpoint. So we got to talk about Booker's game. Who, who offensively, who does he remind you of? If maybe it's not a Kobe. Um. Yeah. Offensively, it is kind of like Kobe, uh, but he's not like Co- going to be the next Kobe because the defense just isn't there. He's not a very good defender. Kobe was a really, really good defender. But offensively, you do see the same similarities. Yeah, I do see similarities offensively. Because um, I, I, I think he's also kind of like, and this is someone who's already playing. I think he's kind of like a shorter Tatum in a way, with those like um, fall away mid rangers. Uh, and, and people compare Tatum to Kobe, so yeah, there are similarities there between those three guys: because, Tatum, Kobe, Booker. Because when I watch Devin, I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, he has, like, six different options he can go to. Because, you know, a lot of times you'll see guys like, you know, the, the guys like Harden. It's kind of like, okay, you, you know how they're going to score. It's kind of it's, it's really effective, but it's going to be one way. And then you see Devin, and it's like, this dude just scored, like, 20 points and a half, and he did it 10 different ways. <laughs> right. And he's a great free throw shooter. I, I think uh... – one thing for his offense, I'd say about him, uh, like a knock that I, just a nitpick, is I think uh, he's an average three-point shooter at best, um, and he's usually pretty streaky when it comes to the three-point shot. Not really consistent from the three. But he's a mid-range assassin. That's true. I mean, I'd say Kobe was kind of the same way, though, in terms of being streaky from the three. And... But that's yeah, not... But Kobe- Kobe didn't play in the three-point barrage era. Yeah, that that is true. Kobe wasn't, you know, I mean, Kobe's three-point percentages weren't that great, but he also wasn't, you know, chucking it up like these guys do now. Uh, but but when you do look at that, I mean, that is another thing, you know, his efficiency there. 
uh, could be better. But I mean, also, you know, he's not a necessarily a guy who's always going to be spotting up from three. Maybe just maybe his efficiency needs to be better spotting up. But I mean, if you're just taking people off the dribble, I don't know if you can expect high high levels of efficiency. I think you kind of have to be a really special uh, special shooter to do that. But you know, everything else like this dude is this dude is elite. And you don't have to be great for three. I mean, you just have to be okay. You just have to yeah. be okay at the end of the day, right? You just have to be okay. That good at the mid range. I mean, he got 42 points without hitting a three. So there you go. But it, it would be, it would be nice if he could. Uh, I think it would take his game to even another level if he had this three-point game. Yeah. So in terms of offensive scores, where would you put Booker right now? Like out of the league right now? Yeah, put me on the spot like that. Um, so I, you, you've I'd got. Put him, I'd put him in like definitely as a top ten score. Because you have like the class of like, right, if we're doing a pyramid, right? So KD is probably number one, right? I, I think we can both agree. KD is probably one. You know, then maybe yeah. I I guess then then I guess there's a second level of. Steph. The, the Hardens, I guess. the uh, I guess maybe some people will put Kyrie in there. Well, Steph. Yes, for sure. Dame. Yeah. But I think he's uh, a better scorer than Dame. Maybe. Uh, maybe. I don't... I think... I think Tatum's a better scorer, honestly, than Booker. I think also what else Tatum's. I think, I think Tatum's obviously bigger. Yeah. And that's, that, that's why. Because he can get a shot over more people. And I think he's a better three-point shooter. But Booker is, was more efficient this year, I believe. Um, so I guess maybe Booker's a better scorer than Tatum. I could see the argument either way, but Booker's definitely top 10, top 7 scorer in the league. So I, I think, too, my question to you is, where do the Bucks go in terms of the best way to defend them? Because I, I was thinking, right, when a guy's that hot... And Phoenix, you could tell when he was in the game, they're making concerted effort to get the ball to him. Do you just double him? I know Booker, I mean, he's a decent passer. He's going to find the open guy. But uh, but I was like, how do you kind of stop a guy like that? Yeah, I think it it definitely depends on, like, who else is playing well for the Suns. In this case tonight, it wasn't really anybody else shooting well. Um, so in, like, tonight's case, yeah, I would definitely – double booker trap him in the pick and roll out of the pick and roll because nobody else is really stepping up for the suns like make other guys beat you don't don't make it be devin booker because he probably will make other guys beat you so but if you see like in, in game two when mikhail bridges had 27 points i mean if you're the bucks i guess you gotta take that pick your poison there so I, I would probably trap Booker out of the pick and roll. Yeah, I think they're going to have to do a more concerted effort to do that next game because, you know, even though the Bucks ended up winning, I think they could have, definitely could have done that. Uh, and also, I have to ask you this. Who do you like guarding Booker more? You, you like when P.J. guards him more as the primary on-ball defender or Drew? Drew. Definitely Drew. Okay, because so, I feel like, you know, they'll put P.J. on him a decent amount. I'm just kind of like, why don't you just put Drew on him? Yeah. But you also like want Drew on uh, CP on CP 
and he's been do- doing a great job. So I guess like a mix of Tucker, Connaughton, and Middleton on Booker. With with obviously with Giannis helping. So last time we talked, uh, you were not high on Coach Bud. You said he's awful. You said he's awful multiple times. Uh, the series is tied 2-2. I, I want to know, and you did say you think regardless of what happens, he should still get fired. Have your thoughts on that changed? Um, a little bit. I I think he, he has been, he had been awful. These last, I, I'll say these last two games, games three and game four, are like some of the most impressive coaching I've seen from him in the playoffs. I haven't really seen any other games where he's impressed me um, in terms of his coaching in the playoffs. Um, I guess, yeah, if the Bucks win the championship, I would keep Bud. But if you don't, if they don't, I still think you should fire him. Can Can I say one thing in Bud's defense? And, and, and yeah, sure. We did We did talk about this a little bit. We talked about the fact you know Giannis likes him, and then we're kind of like, well, you know, Giannis probably likes everybody. But I do think that matters, particularly in the NBA now. I think even more than scheme, you know, how you adjust. I think probably the most important thing is: do players relate to you? Do players like you? Do they play hard for you? Uh, right, like you know, I think we can argue all day long. You know, is he a good coach? You know, you know, does he actually help them? But I think there is, you know, kind of an old saying like something cannot uh, necessarily be the best way to go about things. But if the people that are doing it believe in it enough, it can still work. Like it's kind of like you know, people talk about you know the 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 uh, with yeah, Brady. I wasn't, I wasn't saying like, but is a bad coach in every single way. I was saying Bud is a bad coach in terms of making adjustments and out-coaching the other coaches. I think he's fine as, like, you know, as Stephen A. likes to say, galvanizing the troops. I, I don't th- I don't see any problem with him there. It was just, like, in-game adjustments, in-series adjustments that I, have, I take issue with. Yeah, no, no, I agree with you there, too. But I, I do also want to say this, right? You know, uh... Milwaukee's had their backs against the walls, uh, against the wall a couple times, right? You know, uh, you know they're down 2-0 against Brooklyn. I know Brooklyn didn't have their, Brooklyn was a shot fighter, but I mean they still did come back. Uh, they were out their best player towards the end of the Hawks series, and they've you know they've tied it 2-2. So I think at the very least, what we can say is you know this team plays hard for them, and they do believe in them. Bud's going to have to to coach his team to at least one win on the road if they want to win the championship. So there's a big challenge for him there. They did win on the road against Brooklyn, though. Yeah, they did. So, and actually, here's what I think is interesting. I think we could see another uh, Brooklyn-Milwaukee situation where I could see Phoenix winning Game 5, Milwaukee winning Game 6, and then uh, Milwaukee winning Game 7. Now this has turned into a best of three. How do you think both teams are kind of looking at this now? Um, I think the Bucks are obviously looking at it like we got to steal one on the road. You know? Um, the Suns are obviously, Chris Paul especially, he's going to look to bounce back, figure out why he's turned, how to prevent his turnovers because turnovers have been a problem for him this series words you never think you'll you'd hear um but the bucks 
have to find a way to translate what they do at home and do it on the road because it just hasn't happened. You know, I agree with that. But I think here's the thing. If you are Milwaukee, right? You know, you have two games to figure it out on the road, at least. Because if you believe you're going to win game six no matter what, you have two games. So you're going to have a game seven, you're going to have a game five. Though, I, I also must say, too, if for some reason Phoenix does lose the series, I feel like this is going to kind of add to the Chris Paul hate and the, and the Chris Paul, like, playoff notion. Definitely. I mean, people have, I've already seen people have been saying it, like, Chris Paul has nobody else to blame but himself for not getting a ring. And, I mean, this is his chance. This is the best chance he's ever going to get. And if they don't win championship, his legacy is going to take a significant hit. Three games left. Best to two now. Uh, Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton. We were talking about Devin Booker. Chris Middleton had a fabulous game, too. Is Chris Middleton the most, one of the most... See, see, Chris is a guy that I'm always just like, you know, why doesn't he do this every game? Because it'd just be so much more convenient if you could just rely on him consistently to do this. And like, oh, Chris is just going to go like 15 for 33, shoot it super efficient and do all these things offensively. And then it's like, you know, uh, you know... That, that's the difference between a star and a superstar. When you have, when Chris has games like this, you're always kind of like, you know, why don't you just do this more? Yeah, and I think there's an easy answer to that question, and it's the fact that he takes a lot of high-variance shots. You know, shots that he's going to have hot, hot games and he's going to have cold games. And it's the same thing with, like, Paul George. And it happened to Devin Booker in Game 3, too. When you take high-variance shots like that uh, and through your games, and that's how you, how you play the game, you're going to have hot and cold nights. Who do you have winning Game 5? Um, if I had to pick right now, I think Milwaukee. I think Milwaukee. Oh, so if you got Milwaukee winning Game Five, that means you got Milwaukee winning the series. If Milwaukee wins Game Five, Chris Paul's going to get excoriated. Excoriated. <laughs> Lord have mercy. That's going to be awful. I think. I think Milwaukee wins this series. I mean, not not this series, but I think they win. Game five, and then the Suns win two in a row. Okay, so the Suns are going to get it. They're going to win a home. They're going to win a road game and bring it back for a game yeah, seven. Yeah, I think both teams will. I think both teams will win a road game. Yeah, that will just add to kind of the weird year it's been for the NBA if that happens. But that will be interesting nonetheless. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break and then kind of next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk we're going to talk about some NBA news. Kind of next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. With Barbershop Sports Talk, we still have Eli Weisberger with us talking about the NBA. Just got done talking about the finals. And now we're going to get into some NBA tidbits. So, first thing I got to ask you is this. So, 
It's now been reported. The injury was Kawhi Leonard. Finally, we know. I mean, it only took us how long, Eli? Like a few months? But we finally know. Yeah. Parsley torn ACL, I believe. Already had surgery on it. I think people have said the timetable uh, could be from like 6 to 12 months. It all depends. We all know Kawhi's cautious. So I just kind of want to know your thoughts on the overall situation. Well, I don't, I don't think it's going to be 12 months. I think it's going to be like Dinwiddie. How much time Dinwiddie missed was like six months. And that's what like injury analysts have been saying on Twitter that I've read. That's look, we're looking at around six month recovery. So he'll miss a significant portion of next season. And it's, it, it probably, it, probably seals the deal on him opting into his contract and then becoming a free agent the year after if he doesn't sign an extension. Uh, and it's definitely disappointing to see. And I think if the Clippers were healthy, include and I include Ibaka playing, I think the Clippers would be in the finals. So, here's the first thing about Kawhi. Now, why couldn't we just have talked, said this like a month ago in the Utah series? That it was a partially torn ACL and he was getting surgery? Like, like why couldn't that just have been said during the Utah series? I think um, the Clippers were playing like trying to play mind games with the Suns and keep them guessing. I think that's incredibly stupid, Eli, on the, Clipper, on the Clippers part. Personally. I, I don't think, I, I mean... Let me ask you a question. Like, what what was the harm in doing it? Doing that though, like the Clippers, they already knew themselves. I don't think, I don't think they they are obligated to tell us. No, that is true. That that is true. But I, I guess here's what I'll say. Most of the time, when this stuff happens, you just report the injury, and you just say he's not coming back. Yeah, but in. This is Kawhi, and when has Kawhi ever been, you know, like, transparent about his injuries? No, no, I agree, but then there was the whole report, like, about the trainers and how he was a bad... It was just weird, and then people got mad because he was upstairs with his family in the the suites, and he wasn't down with his teammates, and he comes down with his teammates. I just thought the whole situation was poorly managed and weird. Where I think it could a lot of that could have been avoided, or even you know the media consistently asking the this teammates about you know, what's Kawhi doing, what's Kawhi doing. Uh, I just feel like a lot of just that petty, just you know stuff that has nothing to do with basketball. It just could have been avoided. Like I mean, because I don't know if it helps them, right? Like I think eventually Utah, Utah, or, or even Phoenix, they're like, okay, Kawhi Leonard's not playing. We're not going to game plan for Kawhi Leonard. Like, okay. We're gonna game plan for Reggie Jackson and Paul George. I think at the I think I think it eventually becomes relatively simple. If one dude's not coming, you're like, okay. Yeah, I think they were just trying to get any leg up that they could on the Suns, and uh, it really wasn't, you know, doing any harm, in my opinion. I agree. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. I just I just find it just weird. I I I guess I just find it weird. Definitely. Well, Kawhi Leonard is weird. <laughs> that that we can agree on. That we can agree on. Kawhi for sure is a little weird. So, right, if he comes back six months, my mind, my math is kind of bad. So we're talking about six months 
That takes him into December? Six months from now? That's December? I think it's more like January. Okay, January. One month off. Damn that math. Okay, so January. Uh, so that's nearing like All-Star yeah. break. So that's... Uh, maybe he'll, may, my guess is he'll return after the All-Star break. Which okay. Is, like, is that like February usually? Yeah. So... How does do you think this is going to affect the Clippers, right? Because first of all, are, are we under the assumption that they're going to be able to bring back Reggie Jackson? We are not under that assumption. Okay, so then. But what we are under the assumption they're going to try. We are not under the assumption that he's going to be back guaranteed. Because they can't even give him enough money. See, see, what can the Clippers say to make Reggie well, stay? They're going to they're gonna be able to. Gonna, I think they're going to be able to make an effort. I don't know if that means he's going to be there next year. I think I think Reggie's going to Reggie's going to take him to the bank, man. I think he likes playing for the Clippers. My, if he, I like to guess, I think he sticks around. But I'm not. I'm not going to say that. Yep, he's definitely going to be back. And with the newfound confidence he was playing, if he can become their third guy, I think I, I, that would actually be big for them. But let's say he doesn't stay, so and he leaves, and it's just Paul George. How does that affect the Clippers? Well, if, if he doesn't stay, then that's money, that's cap space freed up to sign maybe Lonzo. I mean, I'm sure you saw a report that the Clippers were interested in Lonzo, and the Pelicans don't intend to match an offer. Now, people have also said that they think this injury is kind of the end of uh, the Clippers. Uh, I think people think that this means that the Clippers, they're not going to be good. That they could be in, you know, potentially miss the playoffs with Kawhi coming back. And you seem not to be as worried about that. They're going to make the playoffs. Okay, as simple as that? Yes. As simple as that, I, I bet you they make the playoffs. I would actually agree with that, too. I'm just saying what other people, you know, have kind of been aggregating out there. So next, I want to go to this. So, Ben Simmons. Uh, I want to talk about some Ben Simmons trade stuff really quickly. First, uh, I was thinking about this a few hours ago, actually. So, Ben Simmons to New Orleans. So, New Orleans, they have a lot of picks. And who's a guy who kind of plays like Lonzo Ball, but maybe is a souped-up version of Lonzo Ball? I guess people would say that's Ben Simmons. Obviously, the Pelicans, it looks like they're not going to match the Lonzo Ball offer, and Lonzo's going to move off into the sunshine, into the sunset, right? Bye-bye, Lonzo. So, if you're New Orleans, could you not try to put together a package or a deal? You have all these picks, uh, you know, from Drew Holiday, uh, from the Anthony Davis trade, right? and package some of those picks and get Ben Simmons. So then, obviously, we know there's been reports about this, too, that some people have said that, you know, maybe Zion's not long in New Orleans. J.J. Reddick said, I don't, kind of alluded to the fact that, you know, maybe Zion shouldn't trust him, right? A lot of stuff has been going on with that. So then, if you bring Ben in, you have Ben, Brandon Ingram, and Zion. Now, that's a young, exciting, really athletic, switchable kind of kind of team. How, how would you like that? I would, honestly, I would hate that. Really? Okay. So why do you hate it? Because, and here's why. Uh, The problem with the Pelicans' offense last year, and 
literally everybody's going to tell you is their spacing. Their spacing, their spacing for Zion was horrible. And you, you switch Lonzo with Ben Simmons, and you expect the spacing to get better? No, it's only going to get worse. I think that would make the Pelicans significantly worse if they went from Lonzo, who can shoot and shoot it well, to Ben Simmons, who doesn't space any floor. Could you see this being a deal that Philly and Daryl Morey would want to do? Oh, oh, heck yeah! They would, they would, they would definitely want to do that. That, that, but the Pelicans wouldn't want to do it, and I don't think they should. I think a better fit for Simmons is like a McCollum for Simmons swap with Portland, or. Sending Simmons over to Sacramento for like Buddy Heald, Marvin Bagley, and picks. So okay, here's what I want to say too. I think we're talking about this Ben Simmons stuff too. I guess what I find interesting is, is for me, if I'm a GM, Eli, uh, and I'm not a GM, but I'm just like I'm just gonna play GM for a second. For me, I'm not trading Ben Simmons for anything less than like. I, I need somebody who's better than CJ. Like, to me, if I'm getting CJ back, that's like worst-case scenario. Ideally, I want Damian Lillard or Bradley Beal. And you might think that's unreasonable, but I guess at one point they were in the James Harden sweepstakes. Because to, to me, like, I don't think Buddy Heald, Marvin Bagley, and Picks is getting it done with Joel Embiid. To me, if you're going to do that, you might as well just keep Ben Simmons and hope he learns how to shoot eventually. Uh, I don't, I, I disagree there because, um, those guys, like Buddy Heald, he's a really good shooter. That's really much better spacing. And, um, I don't think it, it'll ever work out with Simmons and Philly. No, I, I, I agree with you there. I, I don't think it'll ever work out, but I don't know if Buddy Heald is going to like, oh, that Buddy Heald, they're going to win the championship now. I guess I'm saying I don't know if that's the case. And I think, I, I don't know if picks help either, too, because I think Joel Embiid's at the point where, you know, we don't know how long Joel Embiid's going to physically last. Uh, and he's yeah, probably about 27. It doesn't, like, doesn't feel like he's going to have the longest uh, prime. Yeah, so for me, I, to me, the picks are irrelevant then, because to me, if, then if, you, if you do that trade to me, then why not trade Joel, too, and blow it all up? I, I guess that's my point. I don't know. I I don't know about that. But uh, I would not. If I'm New Orleans, heck no, I would not do Lonzo for Simmons in a signed trade. Okay, that's how horrible. that's horrible spacing. How about Ben Simmons for Bradley Beal? Nope. Okay, not so if I'm the wizard, not if I'm the Wizards. What Simmons, a br- Trade value is way less than that, in my opinion. I, I think, like, you think it's worst-case scenario, but I think it's best-case scenario that they get, uh, like, someone like C.J. McCollum. See, but I guess my thing, if they get C.J., to me, I, 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 I mean, I guess you have C.J. and you have to buy. I mean, I guess it all depends how good do you think C.J. is. I, I don't think that helps to win the championship. I mean, they get worse on defense. I, I don't think that... Is Joel going to be... like? I mean, I guess, too, if you're all saying Joel unlocks another level and he's that much better, maybe. 
Also, you gotta take into account Ben Simmons' contract. Like, he's not the most positive asset uh, with that contract. He's making like $33 million a year to shoot less than, like, to shoot like 40% from the free throw line in the playoffs. He is a liability in the playoffs. That's true, but if you're trading him to Washington, are you? I mean, I mean, they're gonna—they're competing for the eighth seed. This is—I mean, they're, they're not necessarily. I wouldn't say they're like, you know, the epitome. But, yeah, but that's not—that's not equal value for for Beal. No, you'd have to put in some other stuff. You—you'd have to put in like a Tybalt and, and and some other stuff. I think I think Philly has some other young players they might be able to put in that deal. But how long is Bradley Beal gonna stay in Washington? Yeah, I mean. I think Bradley Beal is one of the more likely stars to ask for a trade next. Because there's going, we we both know there's going. Eventually, there's going to be another star who requests a trade, and Bradley Beal is one of the more likely ones. So now I want to go to this. So and we can talk about this because we were just talking about him, Lonzo. Uh, it looks like right now the Pelicans reportedly they're just going to let him walk. Is that a good move or a bad move? I think it's a horrible move, and I think it shows that the Pelicans are kind of a mess of an organization. I mean, you've got the Zion rumors of his family being unhappy and potentially wanting out, and now you have this rumor that the Pelicans are going to let Lonzo walk for nothing. And he was—he's been—he's gotten better literally every year, and he's still only like twenty-four or something. Uh, and letting him walk would be a big mistake. I think Lonzo has a couple more tiers he can go up. Exactly. I agree. I think he's going to continue to get better. And I think Lonzo could be like a... I could see Lonzo being like the third or fourth best player on a championship team, ideally. I don't know if you feel that same way, but I think he could... I think I think he could be, yeah, third or fourth. I mean, at best, I think he could be the third best player on a championship team. So yeah, I don't. I agree with you. I don't understand why they're doing that, and to you know just match the offer, and then you can trade him if you really need to. Uh, right. But also, man, he's your point guard, right? Like you want to keep guys happy. You have Ingram, you have Zion, like you know, and yeah, he's a dude. No, to, to come to the Pelicans' defense here, I do think that if he if they would match, he would request a trade because it looks like he just doesn't want to play there. But still, you could do a sign-and-trade. Yeah, no, and then, then you get an asset, right? You get an asset, like you get something back. But Lonzo was part of the haul for Anthony Davis, so I have to feel like you should at least do your due diligence in getting something back. I think that takes away from the AD trade. Like, what was the point? He was an asset you requested. Well, why ask for Lonzo if you're going to get rid of him? Well, they still, got, they still got Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram for AD. No, I agree, but I'm saying Lonzo's part of it. I, I guess that's what I'm saying. Why ask for Lonzo? Right. I think I think Lonzo's gone mainly because he doesn't want to play there anymore. Just because he's a restricted free agent, that doesn't mean much in the NBA. Basically, anybody can request a trade at this point in the NBA. So, it uh, looks like he's gone. The question is whether it's going to be... Um, whether the Pelicans lose him for nothing or whether the Pelicans get move him in a sign and trade. I think that's really what it's going to come down to. So what we're going to do is we're going to take another break. And then kind of next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we're going to get into a little bit of 
NBA Draft Talk. Coming up next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Barbershop Sports Talk, and now we're going to get into the 2021 NBA Draft with my guy, Eli. So, in terms of the players, uh, you've been pretty sold on Kate from the beginning uh, as your number one overall prospect. How definitive of a number one overall prospect is he? How far is a Jalen Green or a, or a, the I center out of USC? Evan Mobley? Yes. Uh, how far are they from a, yeah. a Cade? I think um, in the modern NBA, I think uh, Kate is head and shoulders above Jalen Green and um, Evan Mobley. I think Cade has, in, in comparison to Green, I think Cade has a higher floor and I think Cade has a higher ceiling. Um, Evan Mobley, if, the, if we were in the NBA... If we were in the NBA, um, like, in Shaq's prime years, or even, like, 15 years ago, Mobley would be the number one prospect, not Cade. So, Mobley's still great. A great, great prospect. But in modern NBA, I'm taking Cade every day of the week. In terms of your number two overall prospect, who is that? Uh, I have Jalen Green at two. But it's, like, interchangeable between... Green and Mobley. Okay, so what's your thinking when you have Green at number two out of Mobley? Because bigs are so, like, expendable nowadays. Uh, and they're not as valuable as guards and wings. So it's, more, so it's more position value, right? Yes, it's more of a positional value thing than a pure talent thing. Because if we were going off like pure talent, I would put Mobley at two probably. So, well, let's do this. So, who would you say, who's a guy that's going to go late first round, right? And typically late first round, those are where the playoff teams are, right? You know, the, the Lakers, the, uh, the Celtics. Uh, you know, the Suns, the the Bucks, the Nets, all those teams are going to be late first-rounders. Uh, so, would be a player that you could see going to a, a good team, a playoff-caliber team, late in the first round that you could see making an impact? Or maybe uh, a few guys. I if you think, have... uh, to name a few, uh, first off, I could name, from Oregon, Chris Duarte. Uh, from... And he's he's 24, so he's really old for like an NBA rookie. But I think he could come in right away and um, make an impact, especially the following year, because it's really hard for rookies to make a positive impact in this league. Um, but he's a really good uh, off-ball player coming off screens, coming off off-ball screens. And he's a good off-ball player, too, and he's 
really good shooter. He's a solid defender. He's, I think he's going to be a, a really solid 3 and D player over his career in the NBA. Okay. Anybody else? Yeah. Um, I think Jaden Springer from uh, Tennessee. He's kind of been like forgotten about because of his teammate, Keon Johnson, who's expected to go in the lottery. I mean, Jaden Springer could end up being picked in like mid first round, but if he falls to like in the tens of the twenties, I think he could be a real steal. I think he's a really good shooter. He has the uh, potential to be a good passer. He's pretty athletic um, and has the potential to be a go-to scorer if he reaches his ceiling. Now. Let's go a little bit deeper in this. Who's some guys in, you know, the second round that you could see being a guy, you know, maybe doesn't make an impact the first few years, but a guy who could end up developing and you're like, okay, you know, this is a pretty good player who kind of those second round gems. Um, I think Josh Primo out, out of Alabama, he's really young. He'll be like, I think he'll be like the youngest player in the draft. And I've heard people say that, you know, Primo stayed in college one more year and then entered the draft the next year. He had, he might have been a lottery pick. Um, but he's staying in the draft this year and I think he'll be picked in the second round. And I think he could be um, a second round gem. And he, he's like one of my draft sleepers. Okay. And also, so who are some players, and this can go for any place, like just your whole board, are some players that you're like, okay, you know, I don't see how player X works in the league. Uh, this could be a bust or, or a guy that doesn't yeah. pan out. Yeah, I think Keon Johnson is more likely to bust than he is to boom. Like he's got a, he's got a high ceiling really high ceiling, but a really, really low floor. And I think he's, like I just said, more likely to not hit his ceiling and more likely uh, to bust. It's just like super, super huge question marks about his shooting. I know he's super athletic, but that doesn't, uh, and like the most athletic player in the draft, but that doesn't always get you, make you a good player in the league. I think Jalen Johnson out of Duke, is a better prospect than Keon Johnson. Now, in terms of Keon Johnson, who are some... Do you have a player comp for him? Um, it's interesting, because, like, if he were to bust, uh, I don't know if I have, like, a player comp for that. Um, but if he boomed, he's kind of, like... Anthony Edwards in a way like with that sheer raw athleticism um, he's not as fast with the ball in his hands as Edwards but um, the athleticism is pretty similar so when, you, when I think of a player like that so he's a type of guy who would probably benefit if he ends up with the Spurs right or the Heat yeah, or the some, Warriors. Some place where it's good at player development. Like, not you don't want him ending up with, like, 
The Timberwolves? In my opinion, you don't want him ending up with like, the Magic or the Kings. Oh, God, if he goes with the Kings. That's like where good basketball players go to die. I think yeah. they can get you work at, worse at basketball, Eli. Is that possible? I mean, look what they did to Marvin Bagley. Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely. I think it is possible. So are there any other players that you think are kind of players that you'd be a little hesitant on? Or is that um, just a big one for you? I'm a little hesitant on Davion, like Davion Mitchell. I know he was really good in the tournament and he shot well from three, but he wasn't good from the free throw line. And that's a, more of a telltale sign of how you'll be as a three-point shooter in the NBA than, than the three-point percentage in college is and I think like if you watch him his shooting form is kind of wonky and I just don't trust it and he's he's small too like he's got a high motor he's a good on-ball defender but the guys in the NBA are much more athletic much bigger and he's only six feet so I don't think he should be taken in the lottery or like Maybe late lottery, but not mid-lottery, not early lottery. So I do definitely have some questions on like whether he would be a reach or not. In terms of, because we know how big uh, basketball's got in terms of it being you know a global sport now, who are some uh, European or international players that you're high on, just in general? Um, Alperen Sengun out of Turkey. I think he's a super, super solid prospect um i mean he's working his way up with his draft stock seven footer young he played in the turkish basketball league he's good in, he's got sorry about that um He's seven feet. He played in the Turkish Basketball League as a really young guy. And uh, he's got great footwork in the post. His three-point shot has question question marks, obviously. But he's a seven-footer, and he's got a lot of potential to be a solid rim protector. Are there any other European guys that you like? Maybe guys who could be picked in the second round or, you know, draft and stash mm-hmm. type of guys? I don't, I mean, I think Josh Giddy's all right. I think he's a little overhyped. Um, I don't think his ball handling is that good, but he's an amazing passer. He can pass. He, he's good at any type of pass there is. And um, also, Usman Garuba. He's, he has really uh, a really high ceiling for his defense, but a lot of question marks on offense. And who's a player that you're like, you know, this guy is being slept on. Like, people don't realize how good this guy can be. Um, I think Trey Mann out of Florida. He, I think he's going to be a really solid combo guard in this league. Uh, he can pass, he can rebound, he can shoot, he can score off the dribble. Um, and he's got solid size. 
So when you go through this, and I'm interested to know this, so when you go through your evaluations and you're looking at players, uh, how, how do you do it? Do you, do you kind of do it through the lens of, okay, uh, how good this player can eventually be? You know, what are they right now? Uh, what your preferences are? How you think that the, the spot they're likely to go and the team that they're likely to play for, how that can help their development. How do you look at this? Um, I think Kai Jones from Texas, like, he's super raw, athletic. Um, I think it's a really important for a player like him, the landing spot. I think it's crucial. Like I, we mentioned, Keon Johnson. I think that landing spot for him is crucial. Um, same with Jonathan Kaminga, who is top five or six prospect in this draft. There are definitely some guys who it'll make or break their careers where they end up getting drafted. But there are also guys like um, I think. Franz Wagner, Corey Kispert, um, Jalen Suggs, Kate Cunningham, uh, where I think they're going to be good anywhere they go. How, how do you specifically go about making your board? Um, I like, I like to like aggregate other people's, like look at other people's boards and then watch film I don't really have like analytics available to to me with their college stats or overseas stats so most of it's film and then I like to evaluate floors what I see as floors and what I see as ceilings and then like what I think their position is going to be now so let's give this example does it hurt if player X doesn't have a position. Yes, it definitely it definitely hurts because you're gonna fall you're gonna fall in the draft if the team can't figure out where they would play you. Okay. But then why do people use the term so glowingly positionless basketball? Because you have taller guys bringing up the ball, basically. <laughs> okay, I, 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 I get what you mean. Yeah. Uh, so positionless basketball is just a ruse. That's really not. <laughs> it's just... yeah, you've, got, you've got your bigs, like in your rim protectors. You've got your wings. You've got your combo guards, and you've got your point guards. Like there's still positions <laughs> and roles. Like everybody's got roles. How much harder do you think it is gonna? Because I think uh, I think you would agree with this, right? few years from now, high schoolers are going to be able to come out directly again, right? Like, you agree with that. That's going to eventually happen. Um, I have no idea if that's going to eventually happen, but I think more you're going to see more and more people doing the G League route, well, the G League Ignite route, like Jalen Green and Kaminga did. Well, let's stick with, let's upright on the assumption that eventually, you know, high schoolers can come back out again. How much harder do you think that would make scouting? Ugh. It would definitely make it harder. You'd have less stats available to you and less 
um, film of them available to you, and you wouldn't get to. You'd have to look at more AAU film as well, not just their high school basketball film, um, which is not ideal. And you wouldn't get to see these prospects play higher level competition. So it would definitely be harder to project um, prospects that come out of high school. And with the G League, do you think there's any difference between scouting a player in the G League as opposed to in college? Yes, I think it's much, much easier to scout a player in the G League than it is in college. Okay, now why is that? Because you're playing higher level competition, NBA rules, NBA 3 line, um, playing against former NBA players. Um, that's why it's easier. So, too, if we're going to go to this, too, when you see a guy like LeVar Ball have this on LaMelo play overseas and you see what Luka's doing overseas, do you think uh, another option, when you're just looking at players who are playing in these other leagues uh, across Europe and some in China or whatever, how is it scouting them? Is it the same thing for the G League, right? They're playing against professionals? Um, it's not quite the same thing because, like, again, like different roles and stuff. Uh, different. It's, it, it is professional competition, but not necessarily the same level of competition um, because each international league is different in terms of the level of competition like the Israeli league uh, has more competition than the I guess league in Slovenia or the league in Italy like you've got Spanish League, that's pretty hard. The Australian League, that's pretty hard. The Israeli League, that's pretty hard. Turkish League, that's pretty hard. So it's all different. What's the... When you look at players' development, what do you think is the best thing for a player's development? Do you think that it's, you know, the G League, that it's college, that it's going overseas? What do you think it is? I think it's probably G League. Even though I, even though I like when uh, prospects go to college more, I prefer them to go to college because I think it's more exciting. Love March Madness, um, but I think it is better from a developmental perspective. If I'm being completely unbiased as I can, to say that uh, G League is probably better from a player standpoint. Okay. So what we're going to do is we're going to take another break. And then kind of next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we're going to talk about a little bit of USA basketball. Kind of next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. So, Eli, USA Basketball has three exhibition games so far. Lost to Nigeria, lost Australia, blowout win against Argentina. How are you feeling so far? Is it time to push the panic button? I'm feeling better after the game against Argentina because I think... The main issue with those two losses was, you know, 
team chemistry, ball movement issues. The the ball wasn't moving, and then it, right away in the game against Argent, the uh, exhibition against Argentina, the ball's moving like hot potato, and they're scoring much better, and they won easily. So I think I'm feeling a lot better now because I'm starting to see some team chemistry come um, with this team, and and that's going to be the key. Now, I want to say this. So, Devin Booker is going to be on the team, right? Yeah, Booker, Middleton, and Holiday. So, you're going to have those three. How much do you think the addition of those three is going to help? Obviously, it's going to help a lot. But the Team USA should have been able to win all three of those exhibitions without those guys. Their talent, the talent level, is so far ahead of those other teams. Um. But, you know, they're working out some chemistry kinks. And I think I'm still going to pick, obviously going to pick USA to win the gold. Do you think it'll be relatively close? Yeah, I don't think it's going to, I don't think they're going to blow everybody out. I think there's going to be some close games. So, I guess my thing, too, is I think this roster was poorly constructed. Uh, I think they don't have a true point guard, one, and then two. I don't think they have really... I don't say an elite big man, but I don't think they have the size that they need. Uh, but I guess the more more, more glaring thing is, uh, you know, kind of like a true point. And I know Damian Lillard, he's great. He's a superstar. But he's not like a, uh, a Chris Paul, a Rondo, a LeBron, a guy who who who's always looking to get other guys off. Who, who kind of... I still think Dame's a good playmaker, though. And the talent... Of USA should be enough. No, that is true. That, that, that is true. And realistically, you don't have to construct the team perfectly if you have the best players, right? I, I mean, that is right. It really shouldn't matter. I'm just saying if you're not going to bring, because obviously if you're not going to bring the most talented team, obviously this is like their third team, then maybe you should look more into how you're constructing your roster. I would think. Yeah. Because I, I feel like that was a... a, a t- I think the USA picked the best players available. I think everybody else didn't opt it out. Unless they picked... Unless Randall wanted to play, because I would have picked Randall over Kevin Love. I think Kevin Love is the weak, is the worst player on the team. Yeah, why didn't Trey Young get an invite? What's this thing going on with Trey? Why wasn't Trey allowed? Was he not invited, or did he opt? Did I think he, he wasn't invited. I don't remember hearing anything about Trey. Well, I'm not going to assume he wasn't invited, um, because uh, I'm, I'm going to assume that uh, he didn't like put his name into consideration, because he would be amazing for the team if he did choose to play. I know he's exactly what they need, actually. Yeah. He's, he's another guy what they need. Uh, what are some teams that you think could give Team USA some uh, trouble once the Olympics officially start? France. I mean, that's who's in. That's one of the teams that's in our group. I think France is really good. Australia. And um, probably Spain again. Now, I, I've had a friend who's told me that we should worry about Greece because of Giannis. Any fear... Is Greece in it? Are, I think they are. 
Or do they... I'm, actually, we can fact check this. We can fact check this. Because how many qualifiers are there? How many, how many groups? There's three. Let me see here. There's 12 countries competing. And Greece is not one of them. Yet. Oh, so Greece isn't even in it. Oh, my God. Yeah. I it's thought Greece... Japan, Argentina, Australia, Czech Republic, France, Germany, Iran, Italy, Nigeria, Slovenia, Spain, and USA. Oh, I think Nigeria could be really good. And Slovenia's with Luca, right? Yeah, Slovenia has Luca. Okay. But nobody else. That sounds like the Mavericks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that sounds. Slovenia are the Mavericks of the Olympics. <laughs> that sounds like the Mavericks. <laughs> yeah. So Luca's just gonna. <laughs> That's funny. So yeah, the USA. Uh. The world obviously has caught up to the USA. Like, what do you think is the reason for the struggles, though? So, do you think it's more, we say we put this on, the world is catching up, players aren't as interested, you know, the team isn't as good? Like, like what would you say is the biggest reason? Well, I think, first of all, I don't think we should jump the gun here because this is just two exhibitions, and these games don't even count. Let's wait. I want to wait and see for the games that count. And if USA doesn't win the gold, then I will, then we can revisit as the world caught up to them. Because USA could easily come out here and just win the gold. And then we wouldn't be talking about that again. That is true as well. So you're going to predict them to win gold. I, I'm going to agree with you on that. Yes. Uh, the last time they didn't win gold was 04, which was the AI... I think AI was on that team. Tim Duncan, Tracy McGrady, uh, I think Mello, Wade, LeBron, young LeBron. I think they got bronze. And Argentina won that year, if I'm not mistaken. So that, I mean, at no four, my God, that was a long time ago. I was in elementary school, Eli, in 2004, so that was a long time ago. So that's the last time you have the Redeem team with Kobe. And uh, 08, you had the 012 team with LeBron, KD, Kobe, and all those guys. And you had the 16 team. Uh, from last year in Rio. So we're going for our fourth gold medal in the Olympics. And worst case scenario, if we do lose, we'll bring in our heavy hitters in 2024 and just kill everybody. So, uh, right. Yeah, and, the, and I don't think the world is catching up to them because the talent has not caught up to U.S. talent. It just hasn't. Yeah, they're just very specific players who are from other countries. Like Giannis, Luka, Joker, they, Joel Embiid, they were born in other countries. Right, yeah, it's like those guys. Giannis, Jokic, Luka, and Embiid. Yeah, Ben was in from born in Australia. You know, there's a couple, right, like high-level guys. But, you know, yeah, but besides that, I mean... Still the best league in the world. Not even close. By a wide margin. Right. Like, it's like, 
we're not even talking about the gap between an elite Division One team and like a bad D three team. Like the gap's probably larger than that. So right. So I, I think we we are getting ahead of ourselves when people are saying. I think we're really getting ahead of ourselves when people are saying or considering like to even talk about is the is the rest of the world catching up. How will, we, how will we know when the world really catches up to us? Will that be when, like, another league, when, like, the Spanish league is almost as good as the NBA? I, I'm, I'm just talking of, like, the talent that the U.S. produces. Oh, okay, 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 I, I got yeah. what you're saying. I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. I was just saying in general when we'll know the world caught up to us. If you're saying from that perspective, uh, more international players in the NBA... Yeah, I mean, I I love I love having the international players out and making the Olympics more interesting. Obviously, I want U.S. to win the gold, but uh, I think it's great for the game to expand its global reach. Well, Eli, thank you for coming on the podcast, man. I appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me. And once again, I want to thank all of you for tuning into this episode. The 307th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk.